Right, thank you all uh, for coming this evening. As many of you know, um, this is in the middle of the London School of Economics uh, Easter break, so a lot of our students hopefully are tucked away working hard uh, to revise for their exams. So I think it speaks very well of the prestige uh, and uh, the fame and the respect that our speaker uh, has got globally, but certainly within across the Middle East and in Tunisia, that we have such a good audience this evening. My name is uh, Toby Dodge, uh, and I'm uh, lucky enough to be the director of the LSE's Middle East Centre. But more importantly, uh, I'm both pleased and honoured to, um, to, to uh, greet uh, Sheikh Rashid Al Ghanoucci, who is the founder and leader of Al Nahda Party in Tunisia. He's certainly one of the world's leading Islamic intellectuals and one of the most influential Tunisian politics in the post-revolutionary transition period. He's, he led Al Nahda to victory in the October 2011 uh, national constituency elections. He also serves as the Assistant Secretary General for the International Union uh, of Muslim Scholars. Uh, he will speak for about 20, 25 minutes. And then we're lucky also to have uh, Madawi Al-Rashid, who's a visiting professor at the London, uh, at London School of Economics Middle East Centre, who's the author of a, a series of books on both Saudi Arabia and Islamic politics, and then she will uh, be Sheikh uh, Ghanoushi's discussant, and then we'll open it up to a series of points from uh, some Tunisian MPs from El Nahda that we have in the audience as well, and then we'll open it up to questions and answers. So without uh, further ado, it's my honour to uh, greet and welcome to the London School of Economics, uh, Sheikh Rashid uh, Ghanoushi. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good evening for all people. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thank you very much, Dr. Dodge. And thank you for the London School of Economics for giving me this opportunity to be here today. Nearly six years ago, what was called the Arab Spring was started in Tunisia and then very quickly spread to other countries in the region. Many people believed that democracy has finally arrived to the Arab world and that the Arab exception is finally over. However, these hopes have been quickly destroyed and we have seen uh, many, many kudita happens and civil wars spread from the country to the other. Only Tunisia escaped this fate and has remained as the only spring candle in the region. <coughs> But also, in Tunisia, things have not been easy. Four years ago, in 2013, after the coup in the Egypt and political assassination in Tunisia, our democratic transition almost collapsed. Many voices were raised seeking to shut down the democratic process in Tunisia. Tunisia faced many risks. 
but the single most important factor for me was the hope, the hopes and dreams of generation in Tunisia and indeed around the region that our countries can achieve democracy. That being a Muslim, an Arab, and democratic is possible. This is our challenge. What mattered most for us was the protect, the, to protect national unity and save the democratic transition. At the critical moment, we made a very difficult decision, rarely made by another political party. We gave up power that we won through free election, and we accepted to join the national dialogue that uh, brought all the political players around the discussion table to find a way of the, this crisis. We, in many, in my party, Nahva, decide to choose reconciliation and not revenge against our, against others, against the, the people who were part of the old regime. We voted against the exclusion law, which would have excluded everyone who worked with the former regime. We did that because we saw that happened, what happened in Iraq and in Libya, which led to the collapse of the state. We also believe national, national reconciliation is a better path to opening, opening a new page in our history so that we can focus on the future, not on the past. We wanted a constitution for all Tunisians, for all Tunisians, not just the majority. That, that's why we adopted consensus and dialogue as the way of solving differences. Our decision, together with the other parties in the dialogue, put the train of democracy back on track. The Constitution was adopted by 94% of Parliament. We now have a, a constitution that guarantees democracy, citizen, citizen rights, equality between men and women, freedom of uh, conscience and belief, and freedom of the press. As a result, Tunisia had its second free and fair elections in 2014, and we are now building the institutions of democratic republic. Although my party in Nahva came second, we celebrated all the elections and congratulated the winners in 
2014. Nida Tunis, who won the elections, Nida Tunis on their victory because for us free and fair elections is a victory for all Tunisians. Today, Nahva serves in the coalition government that represented nearly the government, 80% of parliament. We made this choice to avoid any sort of polarization and strengthen our young transitional democracy. Ladies and gentlemen, as a party, we have continued our evolution. At our last party conference last May, we voted to evolve from a social movement to move. We voted to move from a social movement into a civic democratic uh, political party, which separates politics from religious and social activities. We believe that this is a very important step in our history to establish a real, real political party. Just as there are Christian Democrats, Jew Democrats, Hindu Democrats, there, there can also Muslim Democrats. In the Muslim world today, we have a battle of ideas and models. Ours is one where you can be Muslim and Democrat in the same time, where Islam is compatible with human rights, minority rights, and women rights. Another model is re represented by ISIS, where Islam is linked with terrorism and tyranny, where democracy is haram. We believe that is halal, not haram. <laughs> We believe that can interpre interpretation is what our region and the world need, our interpretation of Islam. Indeed, I can say that Nahva is the most democratic party in Tunisia today. Since 1981, our party has adopted, adopted democracy, both as a set of principles and as a set of mechanism. All our party structures are elected. Our decisions are made by majority. Like any other party, we have internal differences, but once a decision is made democratically, we respect the outcome. We believe this this is the key of Nahva's strength, and it has been key to the success of Tunisia transition. Despite Tunisian huge progress, we have many challenges.
ahead. The first is the economy. Economic growth is key to building a healthy democracy. The revolution was a call for freedom, development, and jobs. Young people in Tunisia today are waiting to see if democracy can deliver bread, can deliver fruits. Our government is working hard to reform and modernize the economy and create opportunities for all Tunisians. We have introduced a new investment code, bank reforms, and public-private partnership law. We call on all the friends of Tunisia to invest in democracy and encourage their investors to come to Tunisia, a gateway to Maghreb and Africa. The second challenge is security. Our enemies know that if they attack the economy, they can undermine democracy and extinguish the last flame of democracy in Arab world. That's why terrorists have attacked our tourism industry. Sadly, many of the victims of these uh, attacks were British. We pay our respects to their families. These attacks have shown us the shortcomings in, in our security system. We help from Britain and other allies. We have learned many lessons and we have worked hard to improve our security response because of this no major terrorist attack has taken place in the country for the last two years. We hope the British government will review its travel advice to Tunisia so that British tourists can, can come back to enjoy holidays in Tunisia and by doing so support Tunisia's transitional democracy by creating much of job. Despite the challenges, we are very optimistic. Tunisia has already shown that it can overcome the biggest difficulties peacefully. The next milestone in our transition, transition are the local elections, which will be on the 17th of December this year. These elections will be part of decentralization reforms to change our very centralized system. We have succeeded in sharing power between political act actors in the capital. Now we need to make sure power is shared beyond the capital. We hope this will drive local development in marginalized region 
and empower Tunisian citizens. Ladies and gentlemen, Arab citizens are faced with two narratives in the region. The first calls for extremism and terrorism. It claims that Islam and democracy are not compatible and calls for a clash of civilizations. The second narrative claims that stability can only be achieved through dictatorship. It refuses to recognize the Arab people's aspiration for freedom. Tunisia provides an alternative. Arabs do not have to choose only between dictators and uh, Daesh. Forcing them to do so will only cause more violence and instability in our world. This, that's why Tunisia's success is critical, not only for the Tunisians, Tunisian people and the Arab region, but for the, the sake of justice and peace around the world. Thank you. pleasure and an honor to comment and uh, just bring out some of the uh, salient points uh, raised by Sheikh Rashid al-Ghannoushi, um, who I had the uh, honor to meet a long time ago when he was in exile in London and spent over 20 years. So uh, um, I'm, I'm really pleased to meet you and thank you for coming to LSE. Um, I think um, uh, what the Sheikh has uh, drawn our attention to is the uniqueness of the Tunisian e experience after 2010-2011. It is unique because it shattered uh, several myths that uh, some of us in the social science and in, in, uh, in academic circles, in addition to the media and also in public discourse in general, about uh, an important um, dimension that um, had uh, basically plagued the Arab world, that the region is resistant to any form of liberalization, of democratization, and the main problem is not the Arab dictators who actually uh, re, uh, sort of continue to rule, but Islam and the Islamists themselves. Uh, but I think in, in the Tunisian example, although Tunis is very small, uh, the Sheikh pointed our attention to the evolution of the Islamist experiment in a country that is small by its resources, its population, and also in relation to its neighbors. So uh, one um, narrative about the incompatibility between Islam and democracy was actually shattered. And the Sheikh pointed our attention to the Islamists giving up power uh, on, on that particular moment when there was no consensus and there was a danger of Tunisia descending into blood, bloodshed. And this goes against the narrative that Islamists are actually, they fake their interest in democracy. Once they are elected, they will stay 
empower forever. And here we have an example of how they can actually become, I wouldn't like to use the word pragmatic, but they could privilege the national interest over their own uh, specific interest in being um, in, in power. So that, that is extremely important. There is, of course, a, a local narrative. It is Tunis, and it's not Egypt. It's not Saudi Arabia, where this has happened. And perhaps the history of Tunis, its local cultural tradition, um, and and also the achievement of its own people, their education, their awareness of the danger that surround them had prompted uh, a, a political party like Al-Nahda to actually move beyond what we know about Islamists. Um, of course, the Sheikh pointed, uh, because of this kind of success, Tunisia tended to draw the attention of big powers, regional powers, and uh, quite a lot of them uh, had a vested interest in aborting that success story in inver inverted commas. Uh, the regional powers found this combination of Islam and democracy a little bit threatening. I don't want to name the countries, but I'm sure you know them. And uh, as a result, there is a vested interest in suffocating this very small experiment in order that it doesn't get exported. And we saw what happened in Egypt, uh, which is actually one of the substantial, I mean, it is the substantial Arab country in terms of its demographic, in terms of influence, and the role it had played. Uh, but that is over now, and we, the country that is uh, so important in the Arab world is back into military rule, um, and it seems to suit the regional powers that want to assert that only, only military dictatorships can actually control the region. Um, so Tunis produced uh, this experiment, which was short-lived, but it is an ongoing uh, process, an ongoing project that may mutate, develop, regress. Um, I have, uh, 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 as the Sheikh pointed out, that for this experiment to continue and for Tunis, Tunisia not to descend into something similar to what is going on in other parts of the Arab world, uh, Syria, Iraq, uh, Libya, Yemen, etc., uh, there has to be a serious economic uh, growth in that small country. And this is extremely important given that Tunis, Tunisia also has one of the highest uh, levels of education uh, of its youth in, in the Arab world. So uh, um, investment from abroad um, is extremely important. And um, I think uh, th th this was clear in, in, the, in Sheikh Anoushi's um, presentation to us. I have certain questions that come to my mind. Um, one, one of them is this, the uniqueness of this Tunisian exp uh, experiment. Uh, as you probably, as you know, that Tun Tunisia had experienced a top-down, uh, aggressive <coughs> secularization projects over several years since its independence. But despite that, uh, we see that a party like Nahda um, had managed to exist in that country at a certain level despite the repression. Uh, and also in exile and link up with the people uh, in, inside the country. And when the opportunity offered itself after 2010-11, they were the first to benefit from 
uh, from their mobilization. And this brings me to uh, the role of uh, exiles among the Islamists, whom we had a lot of them in, in London, as I remember, especially in northwest uh, London. Uh, and and I, I suspected, uh, and this is a question to the Sheikh, whether his experience uh, uh, living in Britain for 20 years or so uh, had influenced his thinking as an Islamist. So that's my first question. Second question is, it is intriguing how uh, Tunisia, who the, a country that had this top-down uh, secularization, and there was no space for Islam to grow as a political movement in, in Tunisia, why did, uh, despite the success of Nahda, of going back to its roots in Tunisia, why Tunisia had produced the highest number of jihadis who had joined ISIS. It is really intriguing, uh, simply because we had built these models in political science, I, I would say, that when you have Islamists being included in election, given the opportunity to, rip, to, to operate freely and openly, then uh, um, we are going to see the, uh, an antidote to radical Islamist movement. So why has Tunisia, that had the opportunity to uh, uh, have a Nahda and, and its, its uh, um, multiple branches, mobilization openly, had, had produced this trend. And according to statistics from people who count these jihadis, we are told that Tunisia had produced the most who had left certain underprivileged parts of southern, southern Tunisia and from some of the shanty towns around Tunis and migrated to perform this, uh, join this global jihadi movement. Um, my third point uh, regards the criminalization of this kind of moderate Islamist groups uh, such as in Nahda or the Muslim Brotherhood in some major countries, such as Saudi Arabia, the UAE, who had uh, actually invested quite a lot of money and resources in pursuing their own Islamists who actually link up with the ideas of Sheikh Rashid Ghannoushi and criminalized. Uh, um, some of them are actually in prison uh, in, in these countries. Um, why is your experiment threatening to a country like Saudi Arabia? If you could tell us, that would be great. And finally, uh, I, uh, as the uh, parts of the uh, Arab world descent into uh, sectarianization, where serious economic grievances, uh, exclusion from power, marginalization are expressed through sectarianism, are articulated through sectarianism. Uh, what is your explanation um, uh, for this phenomena that we have been uh, witnessing across countries, um, um, not only between Sunni and Shia, but also in terms of actually antagonizing and expelling and attacking other religious minorities, such as, for example, Christians in Egypt, uh, uh, Yazidis in Iraq, what, how do you explain that from your perspective? And luckily, Tunisia probably had, had uh, not experienced this kind of mayhem. Thank you for uh, um, uh, coming to us, and I hope some clarification would be appreciated. And then Toby will uh, 
Yeah, and if you want to answer that, then we'll come Thank to uh, the audience in a minute. Thank you very much. Your uh, question needs another coherence. Do you want to? Yes. Yeah, yes. The first question about uh, my experience, whether uh, I have been influenced by my stay in London for a long time or not. Surely I have been, uh, I uh, deal, I dealt with uh, the reality, with the environment. Uh, when I came to, Brit to Britain, I didn't uh, came um, fundamentalist uh, and transformed into <laughs> democrats. <laughs> it's not true because uh, the text written by myself and uh, our movement, we, we engage in democracy since 1981, uh, officially. Uh, once we declare us a political party in 1981, we accept all principles of democracy without any exception. Even one journalist asked us if the Tunisian people uh, choose the Communist Party, what you are doing? I reply without hesitation, we accept the people will and to c try to convince people in other elections to uh, revise this decision. But uh, in Britain, I discovered the, uh, the, the directly the essence of democracy, especially the role of the Parliament House of Commons and uh, how how the mechanism of democracy play role in this country. Uh, some of people. Uh, of uh, writer consider that uh, uh, because Nahda party defend the parliamentary system in the milieu of French where the presidency system is, is uh, ruled and dominate the uh, mind of uh, the Tunisian elite. And we succeed to, uh, to establish a system, a parliamentary system, <coughs> but with some uh, uh, changes, small changes. It's not, uh, it's not uh, far from uh, <coughs> saying that uh, uh, I'm an Yeah, You appreciate the parliamentary system I, I, in Britain? Yes, and I appreciate. prefer it to a presidential system. Yes, I prefer than uh, the presidency system. And so far, the main defender of the parliamentary system in Tunisia is uh, our movement. Mm -hmm. Whether we 
have influenced by the Britain bridge system is not problem or I have Qira'a uh, reading reading to the system, Muslim Islamic system during this Islamic civilization I consider that uh, the uh, centralized uh, power in uh, the Abbasid or the Ottoman is the center power is very weak and there is sort of uh, parliamentary or uh, uh, not centralized system in any way. But the French model is very centralized and uh, we consider that without if, uh, avoid or without uh, evitate this uh, system we cannot fight against uh, dictatorship. So we have decentralized the power. This is idea uh, this is principle of Nahla. Uh, so uh, I'm not n negate that I have been influenced by the parliamentary system. Okay. Yeah, I, about uh, the, I enjoy during um, 20 years in Britain, I enjoy the freedom. It's amazing that uh, during 20 years, uh, no, no, no one day, never I have been uh, asked by the police or uh, arrested or uh, disturbed. So uh, I think the freedoms in this country is. Uh, is very very high and uh, it's example of freedoms and uh, I I wish that uh, in Tunisia one day can Tunisian people enjoy such freedoms. Uh, why there are if Tunisia enjoy the democracy, why, how can explain the high number of ter Tunisian terrorists? It, uh, it, it's, it's not uh, acceptable that. The number of Tunisian terrorists is not, uh, is not uh, agreed by all sides. Tunisian officially, the interior minister in Tunisia considered that, uh, that the number is two, uh, about 3,000, mm -hmm. about 3,000. Some of them consider that the number is, uh, is 7,000. I believe what uh, our... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> ours, uh, say even 3,000 is not uh, few is not few 
I would like to note that these uh, terrorists have not brought up under the revolution, but have brought up under Ben Ali regime dictatorship. So they are, they are reaction against the vacuum, religious vacuum in Tunisia during Bourguiba and the Ben Ali regime. So this vacuum produced the anti uh, the reaction. Is, uh, so uh, if we against extremism like, like extremism there is Islamic extremism. So we cannot fight uh, against uh, extremism by extremism, but uh, this is the re reality. We note that uh, since the independent in Tunisia, the high school, the high school of uh, Islamic history, civilization called Zaytuna mosque have been cl closed down by Bur by Burkiba. So there is this is that sort of vacuum. Islamic movement which represented by Nahda try to fill this uh, vacuum. But since 1981, the machine of state tried to to eliminate or eradicate our movement. So this is take uh, take left place to the extremism. That's before. That's because I fully believe that no future for extremism in Tunisia. Because this phenomena is what is inherited from Ben Ali regime, and now we notice also there is sort of disintegration, economic integration. Uh, we all researchers notes that uh, the these tourists came from inner regions of Tunisia, not the coastal. The coast is more developed than the inner regions. So they, they come, they came from, they are fruit of, of uh, this economic, the social economic uh, in the region, some region. Once the stability come, once we develop, can we develop this uh, in a region? I think uh, uh, no future for this uh, uh, strange phenomena in Tunisia. This disease threatens the world. No one, no country, no city is immune from being attacked by the terrorism. So we have, uh, we have fight together this, uh, this phenomena, not by the police, only the police, but, but all, because this phenomena is complicated phenomena, we have to give people right knowledge of Islam. There is lack of knowledge of Islam. 
many researcher notes that no tourist has has been educated in in real religious religious uh, uh, school like Azhar. And I didn't. Uh, I listed many leaders of terrorism. No one has been educated in Lazhar, for example, or in Zaytuna or in Karawin. They are tick, uh, most other, they have, in, they have uh, very low education or they have educated not in science, you, human, uh, science, uh, human science. Or in uh, academic, religious academic, they uh, engineers, they uh, <laughs> doctors, <laughs> doctors, but no philosopher or hysterical, no, uh, uh, no science, human science. Why an Azhari coming? educated from Azhar cannot be terrorist because if uh, he is scholar he discovered that Islam is not a point, simple point and who doesn't believe in this point he is careful. Islam is very vast, it's, it's, uh, uh, it's uh, perspective, very wide perspective. So he cannot be a terrorist. Who, because he know that there is many ishtihad in Islam. Within Islam there are plural, plurality within Islam. So he cannot become terrorist who, who have enough knowledge of Islam. So this phenomena has to be attacked, fought by knowledge, real knowledge of Islam, by economy, social economy, to Tashfif al Yanabiya with drain the sources. The context that produced. Drain the sources of poverty, the poverty, uh, and uh, also uh, the democracy is, is mean to fight against a dictator. So uh, what, we, uh, what we expect from Qaddafi regime, Bin Ali regime, Mubarak regime, uh, Bashari, what we expect the Democrats? Op op <laughs> opposition. Usually the opposition is the reaction of uh, part of the part of the regime. So if we would like to change the position, we have to change also the regime in place because dictators usually uh, produce, uh, I think Marcus has said, said that uh, any, any regime worth its opposition. About the third one, whether our experience of democracy threatened by some uh, re 
state or um, regime, some countries in Arab world. We try to, to avoid any clash with any, with any Arab state, any Arab government. Uh, Tunisian revolution is not to export to stay like Mahali to local consumption. <laughs> the internet, you know, you can't stop it. Not <laughs> to export. To local consumption. Not to export. Tunisia is a very small country. We haven't uh, potential to export a revolution. Now, if you, so, don't, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll open it up to questions, and okay, then once we've had okay. a round of questions, I'll bring Thank you. The, 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 we're lucky enough to have an addition okay, to you. Okay. To offer the first round of questions, I'll come back to you. Yes, you, sir, and then you, and then these two. Thank you. I fully agree what you have said, The microphone is just coming to you. Mohamed Bermadani, Maghrib Review. By you have publicity, the magazine published the first article, Al Nahda, by Nikki Kidi back in 1982. Uh, I was in Tunisia, or go to Tunisia, four times a year. And I was there about three weeks ago. Uh, to be honest, this time, I'm a little happy. I interviewed many people who tell me that since the revolution, security, respect does not exist anymore. Okay. And I don't want to tell you the whole story of my journey from Tunis to Sfax and back. I interviewed over 300 people for my work. And, of course, if, if, as Professor Rashid said, I think the, the reason the Islamists did not back another, didn't become another dictator is because they were not let in, they were not allowed by the Tunisian society, who is much more well-educated. Now, a, a, a good a question. I have a question. Yeah, a question. Uh, for... Uh, do you get any help for, because you talked about security, do you get any help or does Tunisia get any help from its neighbors to combat terrorism either coming from Libya or from Mali to Algeria so that's the question, do you get any help from your neighbors to combat the terrorism? To combat our tourism? If you hold that for a moment, we'll get a, a list of questions. If, if you had a mic next door, thanks. Um, thank you for the wonderful talk that you gave just now. My name is Balkis and I'm studying Queen Mary. Short question. Um, have you ever met um, Muslim-majority countries in Southeast Asia, uh, Indonesia or Malaysia particularly, as a model for democracy and um, economic growth as well? Thank you. Excellent. And we have two questions up there. Uh, 
Thank you, Yunus uh, from Turkey. I would like to ask you something uh, regarding to the uh, Sheikh speech. Uh, thank you, uh, Sheikh. Uh, I am really grateful for hearing you, uh, your speech. You mentioned that you prefer the presidential system instead of the uh, parliamentary system. Turkey. Yes, yes. Okay. As we know that Turkey has passed to the presidential system at the last week. Uh, Turkey has been shown to the uh, Middle East countries uh, as an example uh, with its democratic way. Uh, do you know that it, it, is it reasonable to show the Turkey again to the Middle East countries as an example with its presidential system? Okay, thank you. And Yes, uh, thank you. My name is Ibrahim. I have a question for uh, uh, Dr. Mudawi as well if I can get in a comment from uh, Sheikh Rashid. Uh, she talked about the problem in the Middle East uh, and Arab area about the Islamist with the democracy. But the Arab Spring show us that there is no any problem between the, uh, between the Islamist and democracy. The problem is the West, with the West countries that they are not uh, willing to allow democracy in our region. For example, what's happened in Egypt is an example for accepting a Sisi after the power go to the military and he is welcomed in all of around the world. And all of them, they are happy with that. We've got your question. So Thanks. The problems the West, not the and then there's the gentleman in the, yeah, we'll get you, and then the gentleman in the blue shirt will be the last one for this round, and we'll come back to you this side and next round. Sheikh Hanushi, thanks very much for your talk. Um, I wanted to ask uh, what you made of Islamic nationalism and whether you believe Anatta's ideology is compatible with, uh, with nationalism. And if so, um, how, would that, how would that function and what would it look like? And uh, secondly, um, and, uh, yeah, and secondly, related to that question, is uh, do you have any information on uh, the sorts of, uh, you know, whether there is any voter transfer between people who voted for Al-Nahda to Nida Tunis, and if you have any explanation for why that transition took place, why did they abandon Al-Nahda, why, why did those voters go to Nida Tunis? Okay, thank you. So that's... Six questions. I think those are cheeky two questions at the end, but we'll let you get away with it. Uh, the first question is, have you had, has the Tunisian government had any help from its neighbours at the neighbouring states in combating terrorism? This uh, question is not uh, clear. We didn't... Uh, we are part of the government. We couldn't... Uh, uh, have any official um, relation with any other government only through the official because we are, uh, we are part of the government how can uh, ta uh, take uh, any help from Algeria to fight against the Algerian terrorists 
But does the government itself get help from yeah. that? No, the government, there is a real cooperation between Tunisia government and, uh, and uh, Algeria and uh, uh, Europe and America. So it's official relation. It's normal. That's good. But as a party, how can... Uh, okay, I think, I think that be also... Behind the... Yes. The next question, I think, is, is more interesting in, in that do you think that the example of states in Southeast Asia that are both Muslim-majority and democratic offer a model for Tunisia or the rest of the Middle East? The model, I think, it's a country has to perform and develop its model. Okay. No model. I don't believe that there is a model. Egypt or Iran or Tunisia or any so it's country so we come to the Turkish model Turk, no not Turkish model but the nationalism ah. I mean okay. now we are we, we, Islam is a religion for the humankind all Muslim considered as one ummah this is by belief but by reality, in reality, we are living under the so-called uh, nation-state. So Tunisian is na nation-state, and Malaysia is nation-state. Indonesia, any, any, every, any state has to deal with Islam according of their scholars, their uh, situa situations, and no model in this field to be to be uh, imitated or followed. So we try in Tunisia to perform, develop our our uh, our model, and we consider that uh, the only source of of uh, legalize any any law is the parliament. So Parliament is Mujtahid today. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the gentleman up there was asking you. Mujtahid, uh, who uh, exercises uh, legal reasoning. Yes. <laughs> the gentleman up there was asking you about uh, Turkey's move to the presidential system and what your thoughts were, and has this removed the example of Turkey as a good example for the region? Yes, Turkey is a nation-state has uh, full right to choose their example, their, their uh, model. model. They have uh, own uh, understanding of Islam, and they deal with their realities, whether we accept or refuse. We can only take some lessons from others from, to benefit from their experience, avoiding the negative and uh, benefit from the positive sides of their experience. And uh, democracy can be expressed, represented by presidency system and uh, parliamentary system. We choose, we prefer the parliamentary system. If Turkey choose others, it's uh, Turkish question.
Now the gentleman there is, is, is arguing with the example of Egypt that it's not actually is Islam uh, that, that stifles democracy, but in the case of, of the coup in Egypt and the taking of power of Sisi, it was the West that encourages the stifling. Yes, uh, encouraging what happened in Egypt is codita, is clear. We have to name it things as it is. The Western democracies, how can explain their encouragement to this, to the regime based on Kodita? It's, it's a scandal. I think it's a scandal to see uh, a general like uh, received in all, all more, most of uh, Western capitals of democracies. I think it's, it's another scandal. It's not the, the only one. But <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just a clarification. I did not say that Islam is an obstacle to democracy. I said in the narrative about the Arab world, it's usually regarded by some scholars, policymakers, that Islam is, is the obstacle and the Tunisian model has actually debunked that narrative that you can combine Islam and democracy. Just a correction. Excellent. Now, the, the final question I want to address to our two members of parliament here, and it, it is the argument that uh, what explains the shifting of voting to al-Nahda but also away from al-Nahda um, in the national elections? So who wants to speak first? <laughs> The microphone to this gentleman here. Osama Sayer is a member of our parliament. Thank you. Um, it's the price of democracy and uh, the price of the uh, democratic transition. Because what happened in Tunisia is that uh, uh, different politicians with different views, they choose to sit around the table. So if we have just to think about uh, our voters, we will stay just in our political parties and we will defend just uh, our ideas without accepting any debate and any discussion and without thinking that uh, accepting the others is the way to, to deal. Tunisia, it's completely the opposite. A lot of our voters, they understood this message that Tunisia uh, succeeded because of this consensus way and other countries that they lived in um, uh, the, the Arab Spring they didn't succeed because they excluded each other and they didn't accept each other and they are fighting in Tunisia the solution started when we decided to sit around the table with the national dialogue and actually we took also a Nobel Peace Prize so I think it's the right way and we're going to continue in this direction because uh, what Sheikh Rajid used to say is in uh, democratic transition, the uh, country uh, cannot be governed by simple majority. We need large and very large majority to face all the problems and social expectation and, and by time trying to do reforms and push the country in the right direction. There is a price, another decided uh, to pay it for the benefit of the national interest. 
<coughs> well, I think that in normal periods... Herzia is also member of our parliament mm. and head of uh, uh, mm. Women and... Uh, Women's uh, committee. Committee. committee yes. in the parliament and member of our political bureau. Um, thank you, Sheikh. So, um, in normal period and in long-established democracies, when a party is in power, governing, there is uh, some erosion, we can say erosion, of its popularity. But we, we govern it in a nascent democracy and in a very difficult transition. And we had to, took some, to take some difficult decision. And uh, we were, in a way, countered by um, campaign of, uh, uh, let's say, uh, disheartened Chinesen <laughs> as revolution. Yet, we were the second party in the 2014 elections. So it's normal. What happened, it's normal. And uh, indeed, between the choice of staying the first, let's say, pa party on the level of elections and making the good choice of Tunisia, we have chosen Tunisia. And please let me briefly um, interact with uh, the gentleman who said something very interesting. He said that in interviewing Tunisians, he uh, had this conclusion that it's Tunisian who prevented Islamists, that is our party, from turning into dictators uh, after uh, winning the election of 2011. Sorry. Just I want to reply, we are Tunisian. We are part of Tunisian society. So we prevented ourselves from turning into dictators. Why? Because we are generally, intrinsically Democrats. We are the first to say that in 81, Tunisia does not need more Islam. It needs simply more liberty and more democracy. Thank you. Right, uh, if someone could take the microphone, I'm going to take questions from this side of the room. And the first question, the, the, the lady with a hand up right at the back. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Sheikh Rashid al Ghanoushi. This is Sahar al Faifi from Wales. Um, I've got a question uh, for you, and I agree that there isn't a political model that is ideal to be followed, but uh, quite uh, interestingly, that Tunisian model is quite unique in terms of coupling political reform with economic reform, and this is what Turkey has been doing. However, there is a criticism that is facing another party in Tunisia that it has assimilated so much so that it has lost its own identity. Now, I can understand that, yes, uh, Nahda is for local consumption, but for example, what we have seen recently from another party failing to condemn what happened in Syria with the gas attack in Khan Sheikhoun, and the if simple condemnation was expected from the party, yet they couldn't. Now, I don't know what is the... Uh, uh, the view of another uh, party in taking a national uh, stances on have, things that matter to us. We, do you, do you want, we have one question. Or do you want? To, uh, that's it. That's my question. Great. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Right. Hands up. Then you, sir. And I'm coming down the line. So you, sir. With the, uh, thank you. 
My name is Razwan. Um, I'm a student at Queen Mary, University of London. Uh, my question is to Sheikh. Um, is, is your move from uh, being a, uh, an Islamist party to civic democratic party strategic, or does it imply that there is no longer room for political Islam in the Arab world today? And thank you. Right, yeah, and the, the gentleman next to you, if you hand the mic there. Thank you for, <clears throat> thank you for speaking to us today. Uh, my question is uh, about the inevitable Trump. Uh, what do, you, do you think Tunisia has a special place given the Trump administration's sort of obsession with fighting terrorism, do you think this special model can, can kind of appeal in a very specific way to what Trump wants to do? Or do you think he'll kind of prefer the Jordans and the Egypts of the region? Thank you. Okay, thank you. Uh, yes, no, actually, behind the, the lady behind you. Uh, thank you, Sheikh, for your insightful talk. My name is Zainab. I'm Tunisian. I'm doing my master in politics uh, here at LSE. So my question is about the religious nature of your party. So since Sanada came in power, like they decided to do a coalition with the Secularist Party during the constitution writing. There was no real Islamic principle that had been uploaded. And of course, uh, after a recent announcement, you made it clear that there be a separation between the politics and religious uh, strength. So my question is, um, what, is like, what exactly is Islamic about Nahda? And this unclear religious nature of your party did like led to any tension within the movement and perhaps exasperated your supporters. Thank you. If we come down to this gentleman with the, uh, if you stick your hand up, uh, the gentleman with the light beard and the short hair. <laughs> the mic, sir. Thanks very much. Uh, Adel Hamezis and Anthony's Oxford and Soas. A question for Sheikh Rashid and to dovetail on, I think, the last question from the, uh, uh, the first round, um, I think voter transfer is largely, of course, down to the economic shortcomings under the first government. And I'd be very interest, interested to hear you, you refer to um, friends invest in democracy. I'd be interested to know what you would like from these friends. What does that look like? Perhaps who are these friends? You, you've, of course, alluded to US, EU, and, of course, Algeria. Um, many would agree that Libya's security situation is Tunisia's security situation. What can be done, and, and what would you like to see um, and, uh, and, and, and a small addendum would be the role of multilaterals like the IMF who've squeezed Tunisia and the role of the unions in, in the, under the first government. So what can yeah. the international friends of Tunisia do about the economy and the security? And, and who are they? Who are they? Okay. Keeping in mind the, the complications of the IMF situation recently, of course. Um, okay. So be careful what you wish for. And yes, there's a question of the lady here. Um, thank you, uh, Sheikh Rajar Ghanoushi, for your talk. Um, so basically, my question would be a little bit cliche to, if, to most Islamic parties if I were to ask it. Um, you say that you uh, promote democracy, individual rights. Uh, just if, if I were to say more specifically, how has Al-Nahda um, promoted uh, homosexual rights, women's rights, um, incompatibility with democratic societies? Excellent. Right, that's six questions, and depending on how quickly they're answered, we might get another round in, but we have to um, end in 15 minutes. So, Sheikh, uh, the lady at the back asked a question around uh, al-Nahda's public statements or lack of them on Syria. Do you feel your party has assimilated too much? To, I suppose, a secular ideal? Yeah. About uh, Syria, 
we note that uh, you have you have not uh, read and that uh, Nahda issued statement condemned totally the Syrian regime about the atrocities made by uh, his uh, army. And this is not uh, the first time when we condemn this uh, savage regime. It's, it, this regime condemned by all free uh, uh, people. I think there were, there were a series of questions about, one of them was what is Islamic? What is Islamic? About al-Nahda. Yes. And, and have you become more democratic because the space for political Islam has shrunk in the Middle East. The, more, the main op, uh, point, main idea in Nahla movement is to prove that democracy, modernity, human rights are not against Islam. Islam are compatible, is compatible with the main ideas of modernity, among them the democracy. This is the main idea since Nahda began in 1981. And if you follow our writings, our deeds, you can, you can see this uh, line. Um, what Nahda, which uh, position of Islam in, in Nahda, Islam, uh, we believe that Islam is a set of, of uh, value, values. 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 Islam is a reference of values. So, but uh, there isn't in Islam any church. That means there, is, there isn't any, any official spokesman, official there is free interpretation in Islam. Any Muslim can read the Quran and uh, assume its responsibility directly vis-a-vis -vis God. So uh, no one can, uh, you don't need any confession in front of anyone. Your responsibility vis-a-vis -vis your God. So Nada, there is in Islam ishtihad, free ishtihad, free interpretation of holy text. <coughs> so Nada has own ishtihad. Islam is the main source of its uh, uh, culture, and all all attempt in our history to, especially in to, after the independence of Tunisia, any temptation to eliminate Islam or marginalized Islam or neutralized Islam have failed because um, Tunisian people is Muslim. So we have to use, to, to liberate Islam from the, the uh, extremism explanation of Islam. Islam has to be used as mean of democratize our society to develop them, not to dis destroy them. Like the professor said, that uh, Middle East now is 
fight each other. There is a civil war in Iraq, in Syria, not between secularists and Islamists only, but between Islamists, Qaeda, Daesh, Nusra, Sham, this is um, pretend that they are good Muslims, but they, they fight each other because they, all of them, they are extremists. So uh, dealing with the plurality is, is very important. This, this kind of uh, this interpretation of Islam which is the base of this uh, jama'at, this group, cannot, cannot uh, uh, unify our nation. Because if each, everyone pretends that he represents God in earth, and his uh, views in Islam, the only views accepted. So, uh, democratize our societies, uh, deepen the culture of free interpretation, the culture of human rights, the quality, the citizenship as a base of, uh, of the society is very important. I think Nahda is pretend also it's a good Muslim. <laughs> uh, talking of pretend pluralism good. within Tunisia, the and uh, uh, the Tunisian people. The only, so, the only source of uh, judge of accept Nahda or refuse Nahda. And uh, in, 19, in, 19, in 2011, most of Tunisians accept or choose Nahda. And we, we took power with others. In 2014, uh, we become not the first party, the second party. That means that uh, Tunisian people doesn't uh, arise a green card for Nahda. Also, he doesn't, didn't arise a red card, but it's a uh, yellow. yellow card. <laughs> <laughs> warning us, warning us. So this is the importance of democracy that we, so we, the Tunisian people asked us to revise our ideology, our uh, manner to, to, uh, uh, to manage the situation. So, uh, the place of Islam uh, respected in Tunisia in constitution, Tunisian constitution uh, named Islam as a source the identity of, of Tunisian state is Arabo-Muslim state. Tunisian state is Arabo-Muslim democrat state, civil state, and Arabo-Muslim state. So we, didn't be, we don't believe that there is any contradiction between civil state and Muslim state. About Islamist, I, we stopped to use this uh, term because this term is, have been uh, uh, mixed and hijacked by extremists. So we try, we decide to distance 
ourselves from any sort of extremism by saying we are Muslim Democrats to distinguish us from any sort of, uh, of extremism or terrorism. So on um, pluralism in Tunisia, on human rights, uh, the question here is asked, what has Al-Nahda done to expand women's rights and in Tunisia and the rights of homosexuals? Homosexual? Uh, please uh, let opportunity to our sister. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, please to speak. Usually men speak on behalf of women, <laughs> even in the women's shoe. <laughs> um, well, um, in our constitution, I think one of the most important chapters is the chapter about rights and liberties. Whether they are homosexual or not, black or white, poor or rich, whatever is their ethnicity or their religion, we have stated in the Article 21, I think, the equality of all citizens. And the, uh, the, um, we have incriminated any distinction in rights between Tunisian citizens. And what we have said as Nahda, as a, a, a member of parliament, convinced that Islam is there for human dignity, is how to give this respect the human dignity without entering in the privacy of people yes. to inquire how they live or with, with whom. But we are also Democrat and Conservative Party. Yes, we have conservatism. We are not going to tell stories to people. And we respect the way our society lives. And we listen to our society. So if you ask me if we have mentioned the, the LGBT rights in our constitution or on our laws, I'll tell you no, we haven't done. But we have stated equality between all citizens. Concerning women, concerning women, Tunisia is already a country having, uh, let's say, a privileged status of women. It was the achievement of the modern state. So uh, there is, um, let's say, a common concern of all um, those who have drafted the constitution to preserve this status. And Another parliamentary group suggested when we started, we have not yet started drafting the constitution. Before drafting the constitution, we have suggested that what we call the personal status code, that is to say the law, family law, can be considered as an organic law. That is to say a law that cannot be changed unless by the two-thirds of parliament vote. So we have given it. Uh, we haven't give, uh, We have given the state's personal state code a certain privilege. Then, in our constitution, and especially Article 46, we have mentioned first of all that all rights acquired by women are rights of Tunisian society and human rights, which cannot be touched. And we have mentioned the 
uh, equality of opportunity in social, economic, and political field between men and women. And we stated also, we, we have constitutionalized parity, that is to say 50-50, between men and women as candidates for any elected assembly, whether it is local, regional, or national. And we have committed the state to fight all kinds of violence against women. This is why now we have as one of the main projects discussed in the parliament right now uh, the comprehensive law about uh, uh, how to st stop in violence against women. And we have also pressurized the government to create a council in uh, the government, in, um, in the head of the government, uh, under the direct responsibility of the head of the government, this council is called the Council of Equal Opportunity between Men and Women to uh, implement equality in different fields. This is generally what is happening in Tunisia in this field. Excellent. Thank you. Now, the, 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 the are around international relations. The first one can be summed up. Uh, now we're going to end in a minute because we're coming to the end of our time. The final can be summed up as what does Donald Trump mean for Tunisia or, the, uh, or what are your views about the Donald Trump presidency? And the second one, which I restate, you mentioned that you have friends helping Tunisia. Who are your friends? Who are the, the, inter the international friends helping Tunisia um, and also the multilateral organizations and what are they doing both economically and in security? Yes, Trump is uh, president of United States, not president of Tunisia. He elected to rule the, the American situation. Our relation is with America. It's, uh, since 200 years, there is a relationship between Tunisian state and American state, and this uh, relation will continue regardless the um, uh, who who elected, have been elected in, in, in the United States because we consider that United States is democrat state and democrat state uh, there is inst institutions who take the, uh, take the power regardless conservative or, uh, or democrat it's American matters not Tunisian matters then on your, your friends internationally, who is... Oh, uh, who help us? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By us, I think we mean the Tunisian government. Well, our, our friends. So uh, we call people, we, we call Democrats to, uh, to invest in democracy. Invest in democracy in Tunisia. And, uh, this is very important. People invest in fighting uh, tourism, invest billions. If they invest to encourage democracy, a small part of what uh, spent, I think uh, the result will be bitter and positive and uh, will be all benefit. So I think I would like uh, to end. Yes. Yes. I would like to uh, thank you for this uh, opportunity and also to uh, uh, 
focus on the main, the main password of Nahda of Nahda project is the the concept of consensus. Consensus is the main key of the success of Tunisian project of democracy. We believe that 51 percent is uh, enough to, to rule in normal democracy, in, in stable democracy, but in democracy in change, transition is not enough. We need that left and right, Islamist and secularist work together. If not, the system will be collapsed. And what happened in Egypt that uh, the polarization that uh, the Egyptian society has polarized and any sort of polarization during the transition transitional democracy is uh, uh, considered a real danger the second concept the second concept is uh, the role of uh, the social the social dimension if the democracy cannot feed the people will be collapsed so we uh, we focus now in in social and economic problems because we are without food without bread without uh, uh, health, no, no democracy. So, we main main goals now is to is to revive, recover the economy. I think uh, I think uh, about what happened in Arab world clash of uh, clash between sects between uh, the rulers and people, I think I, f I fully be believe that uh, Arab world will be democratized and the so-called uh, Arab Spring, which uh, transformed into, into a catastrophe, I think it's a temporary situation. Democracy will prevail on Arab world because Arab world is part of the world. In open sky, in open media, cannot uh, rulers, dictators cannot survive forever. So, the itinerary of any revolution is not uh, is not easy. French Revolution took about 100 years to achieve its uh, goals. So. When we saw what happened in Egypt or in Syria, we have not upset and considered that uh, Arab Spring is failed. Arab Sp I, I believe that in 2011, Arab world entered a new era, era of change. And matter of time, of uh, number of victims to to achieve the democracy to liberate ourselves from dictators and to prevent 
terrorists to hijack Islam. Islam is mean of uh, democratize, not uh, to uh, to dominate people and to prevent their liberties. So it's uh, it's uh, period of change in Arab world now. Um, so be, Tunisia has succeeded because many elements. One of them, the, the Tunisian society is homogeneous. The Tunis, there is level of education, as the professor said. Also, the, the role of our Tunisian army, we pay a lot, a lot, uh, respect to Tunisian army who didn't uh, didn't take opportunity to take power and to dominate, to eliminate the revolution, but he protect the ballot box, he protect democracy and prevent from any uh, involvement in, 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 poli in policy. And it's fruit of um, Bourguiba stage, Bourguiba stage took away the army, not intervene, so uh, this is element. Because in any, sta any state has own army, but Egyptian state, the, the, the Egyptian state, the Egyptian army has own state. <laughs> so uh, the problem in Egypt, the problem is in Egypt is more difficult, but Egyptian people, Syrian people, all Arab people will reach their goal, their dream to, to democratize themselves. Well, That's an excellent uh, and very optimistic and positive note to end on. I'd like to thank the audience here tonight. I'd also like to very much thank Professor al Rashid, but most importantly, I'd like to thank Sheikh Rashid al Ghanoushi for, I think, a wide-ranging, I think, very insightful, thoughtful talk. Thank you for coming to the London School of Economics. Thank you.